0: This time on episode 370 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to discuss The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, season one, episode two, The Star-Spangled Man. We're going to go over a little bit of weekly Marvel news, including some filming and release schedules, and we're going to run down a little bit of listener feedback.
1: I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at gunnageeknetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D. debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance
2: by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle.
0: I'm Consultant Chris. And I'm producer of the show, SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, March 28th, 2021, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast worldwide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Hey, gang. Happy National Triglycerides
1: Day. Yay. I didn't know that was a thing.
0: Apparently, it's been a thing for the last couple of years. It was made a national day in 2018 to encourage awareness of healthy triglyceride levels and the role they play in a healthy lifestyle.
2: Having a healthy heart is important.
0: Yes. Yes. For those that have higher levels of cholesterol in their blood, you might want to take a look at where your triglycerides are and, and all that. And some of us have to take daily medication for it, especially as we get older. So definitely an indicator for health in your heart and possible heart disease later on in life. That's why it's all important. And it's important to me. So we're going to say happy National Triglycerides Day. And with that PSA out of the way, we're going to get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes.
2: Because of staring into somebody's soul.
0: You'd like to talk to us about the soul staring technique using in therapy, you can leave us a message on our website at legendsofshield.com.
2: You can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If you want to encourage
0: me and Chris to get into a room and lock our knees together and stare longingly into each other's eyes, you can leave us a message on our Facebook page, which the ladies will find because I don't have access to it, at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast.
2: You can find us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: You can leave us a message on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash geek all about how we should be staring directly at the camera at you.
2: You could tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can
0: join our Discord server at gineageek.com slash Discord, where there is no staring because we don't usually do anything video over there.
2: And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gineageek.com network.
0: Chris, are you ready to
2: have that steering
1: contest? I've been practicing all afternoon.
0: That's awesome. For those that don't know, Chris is a long co-host of Michelle and I's over on the Starling Tribune, which is a podcast that we did until January 30th, 2020 on the Arrowverse, specifically the TV show on CW Arrow, as well as the rest of the DC stuff. We covered a lot of other things like Legends of Tomorrow and stuff like that. Chris is also the host of his own show on the Goody Geek Network, ATGN, which is all things good and nerdy, as well as my co-host on the GoodyGeek.com show. And I, as I was lamenting before we went live this is the first time we've been together in the same call since january 30th 2020 been a while but chris in not just dc you do have a long history with marvel comics
1: <laughs> i've been reading marvel comics for for a long long time so i've probably since i was oh god when was the first one i can remember my mom giving me it was probably an 88 89 the first comic book she gave me On some bus trip we were going on, and then it kind of stuck ever since then. 88 or 89, huh? Yeah. Do you realize that
0: uh, I was in the later stages of college back then? I was in the early stages of life
1: back then. Mm, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, we're really proud and glad and honored for Chris to step in. Of course, Lauren couldn't be with us as I've been talking in the last couple of weeks. She is in the final stages of moving and setting up her studio. Hopefully, she'll be back with us. Next week. She really wants to talk about Falcon the Winter soldiers She sent Michelle and I several messages like, oh, I really want to go, but we really need to set up the house, which I totally get, no problem. So she hopefully will be here next week, if not probably the week after that. Don't know for sure, as you might suspect, moving can throw some curveballs at you from time to time. So we hope and wish her well. There's nothing wrong. She's just in the process of moving into her new house. She's very excited about if you have not been following the post credit scenes to legends of shield over the past three months. You can catch up all about her journey and her bids in this really hot uh, house market and uh, her whole moving odyssey and everything like that. So that's why we put the post credit scenes out there. In the meantime, Michelle, Chris, are you guys ready to talk a little bit about Falcon, the winter soldier? Let's do it. Here we go. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 2, The Star-Spangled Man, was dropped on Disney Plus on March 26, 2021. Michelle, do you want to run down the director for the episode?
2: This episode was directed by Kari Skoglin. has 57 credits starting in 1994, including six of the Borgas, one of the Killing, two Under the Dome, one Longmire, two Vikings, one Penny Dreadful, two A Fear the Walking Dead. One of the Americans, Two the Walking Dead, One of the Punisher, Five of the Handmaid's Tale, and OGs, all six of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier.
0: All six. There's six episodes of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Carrie did all six episodes directing. Okay, it was written by Michael Castelline who has three writing credits starting in 2017, including one episode of Hand of God, nine episodes of Truth Be Told, and one episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the showrunner for this entire run was Malcolm Spellman, who was the showrunner. And hopefully we'll get a season two. Unlike WandaVision, there might be a second season possible from this. We haven't heard any word from Disney. Might need to get retitled, depending on what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be cool. I think we all know where this is going, but we'll see. Anyway, the Star Spangled Man, Michelle, we talk about the title every week. So why don't you lead us off on what the title means?
2: Well, we're getting our full introduction into the new Captain America. It's very similar to the rollout of Steve with the tour and we got like the band and everything. I think that's what it's all about.
0: I Definitely saw a lot of similarities in there, and including the music. The band played the same song. Just an updated version of the Star Spangled Man theme. That's right. So, Chris, I see you have the same note in the show notes as I do. Good morning, America. Good morning, Corporate Synergy. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, Disney owns Marvel, Disney owns Star Wars. We talk about that quite often here on the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. They also own ABC and ABC has this little show on in the morning called Good Morning America. Now, I've seen it once or twice. I honestly don't watch morning news shows on TV, but I do recognize the fact that Good Morning America is either number one or number two morning show. And they just had to get that synergy in, including I mean, they even said the thing. Good morning, America.
1: I mean, I sort of get why they would do that. From a corporate standpoint, it makes sense. But from a viewer standpoint, I would almost rather they go with an established brand than try and make up their own morning show that has their own cheesy, different kind of graphics, things like that. At least go with something that people are going to recognize. People have at least a background knowledge that there is a show in the United States called Good Morning America that airs. So I'm okay with them making use of the fact of, hey, we can use our own show name on here instead of trying to come up with. Uh, Happy morning, America, which we all know would be a ripoff. of Good morning, America, or something like that.
0: Now, question for you both. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has there been an official tie between an actual ABC show or any network show? Because they just made up their networks before now,
1: right? So is this the first? The only one that I can think of, but I would be curious to go back and watch some of like the early episodes of agents of shield where they would kind of talk about news coverage of events that were going on and try and see if that was linked to any actual television channels that might exist out there. I don't remember though.
0: Yeah, that gets back to, we've had this discussion twice now this year of is agents of shield canon in the MCU, at least so far we know Dr. Strange might bring up some other possibilities, but I don't know if it's, canon or not or the early seasons definitely have more of a chance than the last couple of seasons that's for sure
2: well when it comes to tv shows existing in the marvel cinematic universe we just had wanda vision
0: we did as well as do you remember that scene i'm trying to remember what movie it was in but they it might have been in uh, the infinity war where they were talking about time travel or maybe it was endgame where they're talking about all the movies and time travel. So they do make
1: references to pop culture within the MCU. And there is an implication that Larry King's show existed because of the Larry King Easter egg in Iron Man one or two. I can't remember when Stan Lee's there and uh, Tony refers to him as a Larry King. So we can theorize at least he had his show to make him some kind of cultural icon. But I think we're kind of reaching there to say that that's the established tie in to any other television show that might exist in our real world now. Okay. I I just thought this one, Bill Maher exists in the MCU because Iron Man three had that whole bit where Bill Maher rips on the name iron Patriot. That's right. On his show. So we do know that Bill Maher's show exists in the MCU. Good morning. America exists. And maybe some other stuff out there that we're not thinking of.
0: Well, I think legends of shield exists in the MCU. They just haven't shown us yet. It could be. Ah. So. Shelving that discussion for now, let's stay on the scene though. John Walker has a wife, Olivia. She is shown in the scene, in the locker room scene. I think that's important because it humanizes John Walker. If you follow along the comic story of John Walker, where let's just say he doesn't react well to some situations in the comics. I think this is meant to ground him and make him a lot more likable to us as the audience. And I wonder since they did this, if they're really going to go down that road in the comics with John Walker or not.
1: If it's like how they've treated most of these other things we've seen in the comics and the television shows, they like to hint at what's gone on in the comic books in the past, but not necessarily follow that route, do inspirations from it. So I would be very surprised If they did a one for one redress of what's done in the comics, but they might take elements of John Walker from the comic and sprinkle it into this version they have here.
2: Yeah, they are getting notorious for just cherry picking and putting whatever cherries they want into the pie. I would agree with all
0: that. I would definitely point at the fact that they used Olivia here as a symbol that John Walker's going to be a little bit more likable than. In the comics. Matter of fact, John Walker in the comics, US agent John Walker in the comics, did have some likable series. It's not like he was hated the entire run, but he didn't have some good issues in there as well.
1: John Walker in the comics suffers from what John Walker in the show suffers from, which is everyone sees him as an imposter cap and not the true heir to the shield. So everyone, especially in the comics, is like, this isn't cap. This is weird. This doesn't feel right. You know what doesn't feel right to me?
0: Battlestar Galactica. What is Battlestar Galactica doing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
1: Well, I believe that's his sidekick's code name, which I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden, but he goes by the name of Battlestar, which I enjoyed and just because I like the television show, but I don't really know very well who that may connect to in the comics. Actually, it is John Walker's sidekick, Battlestar is comic background. Okay. So yeah, I'm very fuzzy on some, on this era of Marvel comics. I've read it at one point in time, but it's, eh. I just thought it was hilarious. The moment he says
0: Battlestar, then he's like, okay, stop the car, I'm out. Yeah, you know, I've had enough of this sort of thing, because really,
1: that's your resume? Battlestar? That's your code name? I think it's also in part of how hard they're trying to have the superhero persona going, and it feels kind of unearned, for lack of a better term. Like, Sam earned the fact that people consider him a superhero and an Avenger by partnering with Arguably the real Captain America, helping to take down Hydra within Shield, working within as an Avenger to defend the world, helping to take down Thanos, things like that. And like these guys don't even really go by their code names. And then you've got this guy who's just a late-minute addition. Thing, he's like, and I'm Battlestar. And I, I get how that kind of rubs the wrong way. It doesn't really feel earned and it feels a little corny. And it feels like you're just playing at being a hero.
2: Yeah. And a lot of people see Falcon as Captain's wingman. And you have the whole Captain America was white and Falcon black. And here you have another white Captain America with a black sidekick, you know, following this formula that people are familiar with.
0: Yeah. Talking about formulas that people are familiar with, I think security of a military base. I think people are very familiar with that. Like. You shouldn't be able to just get on a military base, uh, especially if, yeah. if you're like a convicted felon. Right, Michelle?
2: Yeah, he's Bucky is one, a former Russian agent. Sure, he wasn't in full capacity of his mind, but he's never really had any American military you know, since World War II when he, quote unquote, died. But he's back. He's a pardoned criminal. And somehow, hi Sam, let me come on the space and give you brief about something and then, oh, I'm going on this military mission with you. What?
1: Yeah, so I guess my question I have here, and the show hasn't answered it at this point in time. I guess it's sorted to Sam, but what is the status of Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson and things? Presumably Sam has rejoined the Air Force, whether he is an officer in there now, a consultant, something like that. But what's Bucky's connection to everything? Why was it he could go on base, he could then go and join this operation? Is he a consultant of some kind as part of his pardon? The ability that he's able to work Avengers-style missions or something like that? I mean, it sort of makes sense storyline wise that Bucky would be able to easily sneak on board a military base because, come on, if he's the Winter Soldier and he has all that training, it really wouldn't be too hard in the grand scheme of things, but what is it that stops him from being ejected the moment he reveals himself or thrown in jail for trespassing, things like that? Does He's got to have some kind of status somehow. I just don't know what it is. It's presumably not Avengers, as we can see right now. It looks like there are no Avengers currently.
0: Well, of course, his status is the fact that he read The Hobbit when it came out in 1937, which he must have been a fanboy, by the way because it didn't make it to the United States until 1938. So he had to go out of his way to get a bootleg copy from Europe from ni- in order to read it in 1937.
1: Was a good line, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also liked the big three, by the way, androids, aliens, and wizards. Of course, that is all the big villains that we've been fighting in the Marvel Cinematic Universe this entire time.
2: Exactly. I really do like it that it's one of the big three. And then now this isn't one of the big three. It's like a throwback from the past. You know, we have super soldiers again.
1: Yeah. I've kind of enjoyed where they're going with it. Although it was kind of, and I know this is what they're going for. Kind of annoys me a little bit when you've got new cap and a battle star talking about the big three. And I'm like, oh, there goes the line. They're using it now, which I know they're doing on purpose to annoy us and make us not want to like, John Walker has Captain America, and it arguably works.
0: I don't know, man. I saw him training with the shield. I was actually impressed. You know what? Even I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. I was impressed the fact that Bucky caught the shield during the battle, which we're about to talk about, and then gave it back to John. I mean, I why didn't he just keep it and start using it himself?
1: He's not cat. Bucky doesn't think he's worthy of the shield. We know that. Mm. I mean, that that's a big thing, is Bucky feels because of what he's done, he's not worthy, which is why in the comics it was such a big deal when Bucky became Cap, when Captain America was assumed dead after the Civil War there, and was arguably a very powerful thread that was pulled there.
0: I got a question for you too for Bucky. He does bring up the nickname White Wolf. Do you think this is a one-off because it's the name that the kids gave him in Wakanda, or do you think that he'll be called White Wolf going forward a little bit in different scenarios. Michelle, what do you think?
2: I think it was this comment. I do not understand why they are making Bucky and Sam so antagonistic toward each other. So snippy and rude. I get it. They're both grieving. Steve. Bucky is upset that Sam turned over the shield to the Smithsonian. And now it's in the hands of this guy but that is one thing that really like irks me because it's just i know we're probably going to talk about but for me it's making the show too busy because we have four episodes left i would think after everything that they've been through that they wouldn't be so hostile toward each other
1: but they haven't really been through it together though i mean if you go and look at the time they've spent together it was a little bit of time in civil war when they fought against Team Stark. Then Sam was arrested and Bucky went off with Cap to go take care of the super soldiers. They then met up a little bit again in Infinity War to repel Thanos because Bucky was on ice in between there. So prior to this, they've spent a few days together. What links them together is the fact that Steve Rogers believed in the both of them in different ways.
0: And to be honest with you, I think they're going for the formula of the buddy cop movie. Lethal weapon, man.
1: <laughs> Straight up lethal weapon, it feels like. <laughs> in any well,
0: anybody cop, like Running Scared, there's another one too, right? Mm-hmm. In any buddy cop movie, what you have is two cops that don't really mesh well together, but they get together and do heroic things to catch the bad guy. I think that's what we got going on here is the vibe of a buddy cop movie. So that's why at the beginning, they're so antagonistic towards each other. And then in the therapy session, by the way, we get How Bucky really feels, I thought that was well done, well brought out. So it was kind of a funny scenario. But Bucky's just like, man, you threw that away. Steve believed in you. And that means that when Steve believed in me, that that was wrong, too. And that shatters my self-confidence. That's a big deal. I don't think anybody was thinking in those terms. At least I wasn't. So it was great that Bucky came out with that.
2: I would be okay with this because... If there wasn't so much going on, and for me, this is suffering from too many things. Uh, we had nine episodes for one division, but we can boil down one division into one thing: was what was happening in Westview. Wanda's working through her grief. Like that was it. Lord of the Rings. Since we brought that up, a group of people need to take a ring into Mordor to destroy it to make sure the bad guy doesn't come back. Complicated plots don't equal good story. So now we have this. So we have the whole Captain America thing. We've got that. We've got Bucky and Sam trying to work on their relationship. We've got the flag smashers who we find out are super soldiers. So now we have to figure out where the super soldier formula is coming from. And is that the same as the power broker is Zemo who we saw at the end of this somehow connected to it, or are they just going to go to him? And all of a sudden he's just going to give them information. And is this going to end up being a Zemo redemption arc? And then we still have to find Sharon Carter and we have four episodes left. So it's for me, was this episode better than the first one? Yes. But we talked about with WandaVision how we were able to allow the story to breathe in this case it's like there's so much that they want to do but there's only six hours and they're not allowing anything to breathe which is why i would if they're going to make this whole complicated thing they need to remove some stuff and making bucky and sam co-workers consultants for the government set out to do a job together. So that's the thing. Like if they were doing, if they were already established and all of a sudden they're supposed to be working together and they're by working together, like maybe that buddy cop thing, but they're not even technically working together. Like Chris mentioned, like what is Bucky? Does he have a job? What is it? So we have those questions as well. And it's just becoming too much again for episodes left.
1: Well, it kind of takes me back to the original release schedule of things, which is this was supposed to be the thing that kickstarted this current phase of Marvel movies, because what was supposed to come after Black Widow and then WandaVision after this. So it was supposed to kind of lay a lot of seeds of what was happening post the blip and then advance a lot of plot threads going forward, which I think is why it's so busy. We've got so much going on, because it was supposed to kickstart everything going forward and plant a lot of those things. And I don't know that we'll necessarily... Get payoff for every single thing that they've brought up in this show when it's all said and done. I'm assuming we probably will, but it wouldn't surprise me if they stretched it out and continued it to cross over to something like, I don't know, the next Black Widow movie, if they have one that people theorize will be all about Yelena, things like that. I I don't know where they're going with it, but this is very full of information, I think, in part because it was supposed to start everything up again. What is it you said, Michelle? Sharon Carter.
0: <sighs> okay. I got my moment. And I agree, by the way, everything that you guys said that there is a lot of a busyness in here. I think things are starting to come together, but there still is a lot of moving parts. I think Marvel has suffered from this at the end of WandaVision. We talked about that too. So I'm hoping that they try to scope down a little bit on these Disney Plus shows without getting too everywhere. I think. They might be thinking in terms of WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier along the lines of, okay, let's put a movie script in here, but we can extend it a little bit because we have extra time. And that extending is adding some unnecessary parts to the story.
1: And the budget they've applied to these productions would make you would follow that same thought that you're having there because the special effects that you get in a television series here. And same with Wandavision, are on par with what we've seen on screen for the MCU. They are not, they're not pinching the pennies to make things happen here. They're just spending as much as they feel they need to.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the special effects in this episode. There were two fights. One was definitely longer than the other. It was four minutes thirteen seconds. I know because I timed it. <laughs> was the semi truck fight as they were coming out of the warehouse? Which that warehouse was not very well secured, by the way. No, nope. and. And they were uh, fighting on two semi trucks. I thought, by the way, it would have been great to have like two Tesla trucks or something like that. But uh, then you wouldn't have had the the, the rough diesel sounds as they were, you know, charging and everything. Stuff like that. It would just been so not.
1: Well, you'd also be more noticeable if you're driving a Tesla semi. And I don't know that they would want to be noticed as they transported the weapons supplies or whatever it is they had. I have a feeling in Europe, electric vehicles are going to be a little bit more accepted. Electric vehicles, yes. Electric semis, nobody's really doing that, but Tesla in a few places right now. Not that electric vehicles are not
0: accepted here in the United States. I guess more commonplace eventually. But Mm -hmm. yes, I I would agree that Volvo and Tesla uh, semi-trucks are not there. I just thought it would be neat for Malva. Anyway, it was this fight on the rooftops of the semi-trucks and I guess underneath as well. And uh, I I just have one question here. How come an enhanced soldier slash assassin with over 90 years of experience and a Wakanda provided vibranium arm, how would that
1: person have trouble fighting off super soldiers? Because the Bucky we know now is not the Bucky that is the Winter Soldier that could have done that. Uh, He's tried to, here I'll go storyline reason. He's tried to distance himself from what he was before. And until Bucky accepts that part of himself that he's locked behind doors of what the Winter Soldier did, he won't be able to fully access his skills. Video game logic slash, uh, because the script dictates it. Logic.
2: Yes. And also, we saw that, you know, Bucky said there's more like me. And I think it was supposed to show that, indeed, these are actual super soldiers. And there were many of them. and. Yeah, you know, and like what Chris said, I think they're supposed to be on par, at least physically, with Bucky.
1: And Bucky's a bit out of practice, one could assume, is after Endgame happened, I don't get the feeling he's been out there running ops. And then even prior to that, he was running for his life as the Winter Soldier, which was fighting only when cornered and things like that. He hasn't really been doing Super Soldier one-on-one or one-on-nine or however many fights in a while. And he's not really been practicing either, one would assume. Yeah. But in
0: the special effects department for the fight, you had the, in my opinion, lackluster helicopter, for what it means anyway, come in and you get John Walker and Battlestar coming down and uh, joining the fight. You have a little bit of shield action going back and forth. I mentioned that before. Uh, But ultimately, they do get their butts handed to them. Bucky is stuck underneath one of the trucks. I think he's trying to grab. I was a little confused on this. I think he's trying to grab the ground and slow down the truck as well as support his weight so he doesn't fall on the ground. I think that was what was going on as his arm was dragging across the ground. I don't think he was dragging it. I think he was actually trying to grab the asphalt. Not quite sure there, but eventually Sam comes in, saves him, flies under the truck, and then they tumble arm in arm through the field and end up in each other's arms on top of each other. It was uh, a <laughs> special thing during it. And then of course, uh, cap and and Battlestar get thrown off the trucks too.
1: And cap uses his gun once it's deemed effective and then never uses it again.
2: <laughs> cap did actually use his shield to save Battlestar, which is something that, you know, Steve's done.
0: Yeah, that's why he lost the shield is he used it as a sled for Battlestar to
1: slide on. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's exactly like Steve would do. And one of the things we need to at least bring to mind here is this show is playing with us on purpose and knowing that people are not going to like John Walker because he's not Steve. But if you try and take that away, he's not bad, really. He's a dude that's trying to live up the legacy that's not his. He wants to do what's right. He's working with his buddy do these things like Steve would do. John Walker's not a bad guy. He's just an imposter is how the audience feels like I know because I watched the show. And when he showed up with that shield through it the first time, I was like, that's not yours. You're not him. And I was like, this is what they wanted me to do. I, I, I get it because we all feel like it should be Sam. That's capped. because we had the ability to see at the end of end game, Steve, giving him the shield, be like, it's yours. Now, no one else has seen that other than Bucky, obviously. So, We all feel that way and they kind of play with us a little bit in that and give us these moments where we're like, oh, I really, I don't like that. He's Captain America, not because of who he is, but because he's not Sam. And if we'd never seen that shield handoff, I don't know if we would all feel as strongly about the current Captain America.
0: There's all sorts of things hidden there with John Walker. Did he in fact get us? version of the super soldier serum or will he get one? And he's just playing it low right now have
1: theory on that one.
0: Yeah. I, it, there's just all sorts of things, but let's just finish up this battle really quick because uh, I have to say a special condolence here. Rest in peace. Red wing. I last episode went through this whole thing where red wing was equated to R2 D2 and mm-hmm. that Marvel finally got themselves in an R2 D2 and then They just killed it like Bambi's mother. Just BAM! It it It's just so sad. I actually cried. It was mm, Red Wings gone.
1: Last of his Stark tech, presumably. Well, I guess he probably still has his Stark tech enhanced wings. It would be cool if they were vibranium, but they're not, right? Yeah, they are not vibranium. My understanding, and this could have been changed, is that Red Wing and his wings, we saw in Civil War, were enhanced by Stark. There was some throwaway comment on that. They went on the run. I don't assume they were refreshed much during that time, other than like battlefield fixes and stuff. Then there was the infinity war. So presumably Sam got blipped with all this Stark tech from civil war. So he's rocking five-year-old Stark tech and is still that effective against current day future day, I guess super soldiers and things like that, which makes me wonder how he's going to replace some of that because I don't really see a pepper Potts being like, Oh sure. We're going to replace red wing for you.
0: Brings up the whole Spider-Man issue again, right? Because Spider-Man got the keys to the kingdom. He's a scientist in his own right. Maybe he could do some tech like that. I don't know.
1: But again, these are folks that cited against Tony Stark and Spider-Man is well entrenched in Tony Stark's corner. So Spider-Man, I don't know, he would have to work past that to be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to make stuff for you, even though he's probably a wanted fugitive at this point in time. <laughs> They all got together for endgame. Yeah, they
2: kind of, yeah, they worked through that with Infinity War and endgame.
1: Doesn't mean those feelings are gone. They shared one scene together after a battle There's that's the funeral. Doesn't mean they sat down and hashed things out and are all cool again.
2: Okay, this, again, is all of Tony Stark being a cheap man editing myself. There is an article that actually, we're, we're not the only ones. There's actually someone, other people are writing about this, about how come Tony didn't set up a fund? How come Tony didn't have anything in his will for the other Avengers? Like he gave Peter, like we said, the kings of the kingdom. Why didn't Tony help the others? It's just like, why was Tony such?
1: Why would he have anything in his will for Sam Wilson, who was dead? When Tony did his will, Sam Wilson was blipped.
2: I'm saying that he did not even set up a fund or some sort of means. They had the goal of getting everyone back. That was the whole deal. So why didn't Tony have this fund? Like if with a list of names, if we ever fix this and they come back, then they get this amount of money. He could have set it up that way. It gets set up like that all the time.
1: Why would he do that for a man who sided against him?
2: Because they made up and he realized Tony that. Tony didn't was wrong. make
1: up with them. Tony's a petty man.
2: I think near the end, when he was alone in that cabin and everything like that, I think it he would have ended up seeing the bigger picture, especially after the snap.
1: I mean, and presumably the Avengers were pretty much not doing much post snap. They talked about trying to find Thanos and things like that. But the implication given an endgame is the Avengers have pretty much not been active in the last five years.
2: But that doesn't mean that he's still petty. It doesn't mean that he still has to be like, there's not no Avengers caring. is
1: what I'm saying from Tony's standpoint. They don't exist. Well, technically there was Avengers. He
0: had black widow running the place. So technically it was there.
2: And I'm not just saying like for the Avengers, I'm saying about the people he fought with the people who got snapped, the people who were, he was mourning over and hoping who would come back. You would no. Making him that petty and cheap after the snap, I think is going too far. I don't know why the writers, this is a writer's issue. Again, this is, you know, the writers for some reason giving Peter Parker a 16 year old boy, Edith, because I had questions about that too. Why would Tony Stark even do that? And please do not go into the whole Peter Parker is a genius and all that type of stuff. He's still in high school and Sony hadn't really, and Marvel hadn't done a really great job about how smart really Peter Parker is in the two movies that he's been in. But I'm just saying basic common human decency about like, apparently also, even when they were friends pre-Civil War, apparently he didn't pay them. You know, that whole quote unquote goodwill.
1: So the question was, who was paying the Avengers other than Stark paying for the facilities and things like that, which I don't know that will ever get answered. Right. As to why Tony didn't set things up for folks, I think we're going to have to assume some comic book logic here, which is these are individual titles that aren't in Avengers books, for lack of a better term. Whereas people do whatever it is they need to do in their own books until the crossover happens here. Even in the comics, I vaguely remember things about Spider-Man getting an offer to join the Avengers at one point early on. He goes, Oh, what does it pay? And they're like, Well, it doesn't pay. And he goes, Oh, well, I can't really do this because I need to be able to do other things. So I think we're sort of getting at a point here that they probably need to find some way to better address, which is who paid for the Avengers, other than, you know, Stark being like, I'm going to pay to make this stuff happen. I don't imagine it was all Stark Industries that handled everything accounting for the Avengers. Another issue that based
0: everybody in this episode and we're going to get deep real quick here is the whole Isaiah thing. Now this actually harkens back to real stories of the U S military experimenting on people of color for various things. This actually happened in real life. And it definitely happened in the Marvel cinematic or not Marvel cinematic. Well, Marvel cinematic now, but the Marvel comic books, Isaiah is the embodiment of that. He was the attempt of the U S military in the Marvel comics to recreate the super soldier serum. He obviously has super soldier abilities. He was sent off like captain America to deal with situations. But then in the end, as the comic lore goes, he was arrested for stealing caps suit and thrown in jail and continued to be experimented on for 30 years. I can understand why the man is angry. And it was an that whole scene was an excellent commentary on the inequalities that continue in America today.
1: It was very surprising when Marvel put that book out originally. I remember reading some interviews with the writers said, we pitched this to Marvel thinking they weren't going to want to do it. And they were like, oh, hell yeah, we're on board with this. And I was very interesting, or very interested, rather, this is one of the threads they pulled for this television show, and I, interested in a good way. I just hadn't considered they were going to do it. But with introducing other super soldier-like characters, I think it sort of makes sense to be like, hey, this is something that all countries want. They're all trying to find their ways to do it, even through less ethical means, kind of taking us back to what we saw in Iron Man 2, where they were arguing this is going to cause a new weapons race. For everyone to get uh, Iron Man suits. Well, we had the weapons race for super soldiers. And we're seeing the legacy of that. It's not just Hydra experimented on Bucky and that was the end of it to make their own super soldier. It was no. It kept going. People tried to figure out Escarine's formula. And I think they've even kind of changed the MCU banner into being someone who was trying to unlock the super soldier serum. And that's arguably what's responsible for the Hulk also. So it's a cool plot thread that they've kind of stretched out and extended. I'm kind of glad they brought it in. And there are rumors of a Young Avengers movie slash series coming forth, which would include Kate Bishop from the Hawkeye series. And there is a character called Patriot, who we may have been introduced to in this show, that could be included in that as well. So they're pulling an interesting historical thread and possibly setting up future stuff. So, pleasant surprise. And Carl Lumley was awesome in that too.
2: I love the fact that here's Carl Lumley who is DC royalty. He's the voice of John Jones and all those animated. And now this DC icon is part of the MCU. I just, that made my inner geek just so happy. I thought it was very interesting. Marvel really isn't shying away about talking about race in America because not only did we have this reference. And again, one of the examples is, you know, the Tuskegee syphilis test. It's just one example of how the military experimented on black Americans. Also, you had the whole bunch of, you know, white people calling to cops because a black guy was in the neighborhood and he could have been bothering the white guy because if you notice these cops roll in and they actually ask Bucky, is this man bothering you? And it's just like we're just talking and it's just, it's just so Hits it brings up, you know, the woman who called the police because black Americans were sitting in Starbucks, and then Sam being it was okay for Sam to be there after it was like, Oh, yeah, you're somebody important, which that should not have been the case. He was just they were just talking,
1: yeah. And I mean, it's even touched on in the last episode, and you guys probably talked about it, when he's at the bank and they're like. Well, we don't know. And then like, oh, you're the Falcon. And it sort of changes the bank guy's opinion of who Sam and his family are. Not enough to give them a loan, obviously, but enough to give them sort of the time of day.
0: And the whole thing about Sam not being asked to be Captain America as well, because the government could have gone back to Sam and said, hey, look, we want you to be Captain America, but they didn't. They chose a white guy, Jen Walker, to be it. So. This series is definitely not shying away from that conversation. And I'm glad they're not, because it is an important conversation to have. Another thing that we've been constantly talking about since the SNAP has been the integration and the reintegration. The bank conversation last week was an excellent example of how the world is dealing with that. Now we hear this term GRC, the global repatriation council. You try saying that fast five times. The GRC. And the flag smashers we talked about last time, one world, one people, they want to get back to where things were pre snap. And it's interesting how this is coming together. I don't necessarily think the flag smashers are bad. And we kind of speculated on that last time around, but who knows?
1: I guess it depends on the actions that they take, whether they're good or bad at this point. I mean, we've seen them committing robbery at the very least, which is arguably. Bad and smuggling weapons, but they might spin it in their minds that their intentions are pure for other things. But technically, they're operating outside of laws that probably existed both pre and post blip.
2: It seems as though a lot of resources are going to people who have come back, which makes sense and they feel ignored. One of the important lines, I think, is when they talk about those who were in power before they have returned and they didn't use that power before very well. And they don't deserve after five years coming back and getting that power back because they were awful before we actually were able to get to a point post snap in this five years to a good place. And we do not want you to ruin it.
1: Hashtag Thanos did nothing wrong. He made the earth unite. Uh, no, that, I'm just kind of going with a meme there, but wow. there is something to be said for that. And there'd be an interesting argument how things work with constitutions, both here and other countries. These people that are assumed dead or are dead for five years that then return if their term is not expired. Does that mean they go back into position now? Arguably here in the United States, for instance, this was a five year period. So let's say the blip happened in the president. of the United States was one that was blipped doesn't matter. Four years would have expired. So even when they returned, though it had been no time to them, five years had advanced. So constitutionally, you could argue that nothing was wrong there. But say you're talking about a senator with a six-year term who may have just been elected. They get blipped back. They still have a year left on their term. Do they slot back into that office? So I'm just going to cut in here
0: really quick before Michelle goes off, because I know she's going to, because we talked about this last week, and I used the congressional example <laughs> as well. Is kind of funny to hear you go into that same direction, but Michelle talked a little bit about the mechanics behind the snap. So go ahead and uh, uh, re-educate Chris, I guess, (laughs) on that.
2: A lot of people think the snap was proportional around the world. It's just half of the population. We don't know if every single person in the United States got blipped and then people And no one got blipped in China. Obviously, there were some people in America, so it wasn't the entire United States. But again, we don't know. The entire continent of Australia could have been blipped out. But no one in Vietnam or Laos or Indonesia got it. They're just like, hey, we're fine. Oh, no, you lost your entire population. Uh, We didn't lose anyone. So sorry. Who did get blipped in and all that type of stuff. Because it wasn't like Thanos just went, oh, half of England, half of the United States. Half. No, it was just Earth, half of you gone. I don't care where.
0: Yeah. So you never know. Like I use the example. I was trying to go, well, statistically, half of Congress is gone. So I was just using that. So it, regardless, there definitely are cases of people that are in legitimate power that got blipped and they come back and are they in power or not? So. I think that's a little bit about what, what the GRC is, and people that were in power before they come back and they find themselves creating an entity to be in power again. That's the GRC. We're going to see more of that, definitely. I have a question for you two. When's the last time you watched Avengers Civil War, Michelle?
2: My mom was asking me about this Zemo guy and I was trying to explain it to her. And then I just told her to rewatch Civil War, which made me rewatch Civil War this afternoon and realizing just how little screen time he got, like it didn't really matter it was Zemo because Well, he did. He just lit the fuse of getting the Avengers to infight, and then then that's what they did. But it'd be interesting to see if they're able to do a little bit more with the character than what Civil War did.
1: They're seeming to indicate that he's an expert on HYDRA because of the information he dug up to be able to reactivate Bucky as the Winter Soldier. He presumably has happened upon a great deal of other Hydra information or information that may have gotten leaked out when S.H.I.E.L.D. opened up the servers. So I assume he's going to play a different role, a bigger role, and we've seen in the trailers him with the purple mask at least. But like you said, in Civil War, it could have been anyone in that role They used the name Zemo so that the comic book fans be like, oh, Baron Zemo, this is really cool. It was not necessary for it to be him. And in regards to the original question, I think it's been about two months since I last watched Civil War. Okay.
0: I watched it this afternoon, too. I thought it was going to be the- The one that watched it most recently, but Michelle and I both had the same thing happen. We're like, okay, I got to watch Civil War. I got to see what happened there. And that led me to the thought of they really want Bucky to be in the same room as this guy, the guy that had the words from the notebook. Now, Bucky went through Wakanda and therapy in Wakanda to try to be deprogrammed. So hopefully those words don't set him down that path. But as far as we know, if you watch Civil War, the only people that know what those words do are Zemo and Bucky. There was no other recording of it. You're correct. It's possible that Zemo could reactivate
1: Bucky. I doubt it, but it's possible. It's possible he may know more about other super soldiers that were squirreled away because he did find the ones to basically put bullets in them to attract Cap and Tony there for their confrontation. I'm interested to see what they do with him because Daniel is a really good actor. So let's give him a chance to choose some more scenery. Right. And he was
0: mentioned in Black panther as well. He he didn't play anything mm-hmm. in Black Panther, but he was mentioned in Black Panther. All right, I enjoyed I really enjoyed this episode more so than the first episode. I do believe that we got a lot going on, hopefully that starts to converge a little bit more in in episode 3, but I enjoyed it. Uh Michelle, did you enjoy this episode? I did. And Chris?
1: Yeah, I liked it a lot. I mean, we're basically if we consider this a three-act play or a three-act movie, we just finished Act 1, and this seems like a pretty good cliffhanger for Act 1, which is where you got all the pieces on the board. We see how things are starting to shape up, and now we're going to do a pullback. And make we need to find Zemo about something, which leaves you on a pretty good cliffhanger for the end of Act 1.
0: And Michelle, you mentioned your mom before. It's been a couple of weeks since we did a Michelle's mom's take because we kind of ran over it the last week, but she did watch this episode.
2: Yeah, she's enjoying it. She, again, was like, "Who was that guy at the end and what? But yeah, so far, she's enjoying it. It's not as, you know, She there's no really like cool mystery like WandaVision, but she liked it.
0: I mean, there is mystery. It's just a different sort of mystery.
2: There is something that I want to get off my chest. So last week, I almost brought this up, but I didn't. But now I learned that I can say the word ass on this show. I was expecting the memes about, you know, Sam's ass and Walker's ass, comparing it to Steve's ass, because that is a callback to the movie. It is about the whole joke about America's ass. They're already there. You know, you see the pictures of the asses and they're like, you know, pick the one that's best to be Captain America. Again, that's the joke. I have seen too many insults about Wyatt Russell's other looks. Again, I'm saying that the ass part, again, call back to the film, talk about their asses. It makes sense because of the joke. But yes, Wyatt Russell is the son of Kurt Russell and Gody Hahn. Stop comparing him to them. Stop. Just stop. We don't need that. And I have been reading it too much. There's even been comments from people that I think were better than that on Twitter. They've, Mean making the these snide comments. Yes, we're not supposed to like this new Captain America because of characterizations, because you know, he is this just this white guy and you know, all that type of stuff. But please just stop attacking Riot Russell's look. We don't need that. Just stop, please.
0: And he's been quoted in an article that he was okay being hated on, by the way. Because of the character, but not he didn't mention his looks or anything like that. So, yeah, I would agree. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the characterization of John Walker and how he's supposed to be hated because he's not Steve Rogers. Not anything else. So, enough said there. Okay, next Sunday, we're going to be talking about The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 3. To date, we don't have a title on that. Disney Plus has been doing this great thing about not giving us the title until... The episode comes out, so we'll know it when we see it next week. Meantime, we do have a lot of news to cover.
2: We have news about the release schedule for Black Widow and other movies.
0: A bunch of stuff came out this week in particular, and I know Michelle was really happy when this news came out was that Marvel released that Black Widow is going to be pushed back to July nine, but it is going to be simultaneously released in theaters and with premier access on Disney+. Plus. I think in this stage in the game of the pandemic, I think this is a wonderful call. It appeases both sides, and I think, for me, it's going to be in Disney+, Plus on my couch, I'm going to enjoy it a lot more. I'm not going to have people smacking their popcorn or getting up or having their phones go off or whatever. I'm just going to be able to enjoy it in my own home, which is what I wanted all along with all these movies. I realize it's not going to happen too much longer, but there's a whole health issue with it and the pandemic issue as well. So, Michelle, you were very happy when this came out, right?
2: They should have done this last year.
0: Yeah, just released it last. When was it supposed to be released? October or something like that? May. May. Yeah. Well, Disney plus wasn't, uh, well, I guess it was out, which just wasn't. Yeah.
2: I kind of figured Disney would have done it after Warner brothers announced wonder woman on HBO max. I was kind of hoping that, you know, Disney would have been like, Oh, you're doing that. Well, let's just one up you, but nope.
1: I think they're kind of in a tough spot here. And what arguably the right thing here is to do is that, Black Widow movie should have arguably happened many years ago, and it's just now happening. And if you don't give it its chance to be on the big screen and just do it really on Disney Plus with the limited theater release schedule that we would have had back in May of last year, they would have been catching fire right there for trying to, oh, you're just putting it out now. You're not giving it the proper room to breathe when this should have been out ages ago and Scarlett Johansson deserved better and things like that, which arguably true all of those things. I think they were struggling for a long time to figure out the right way to balance the fact they want this movie to come out because it's been ready for ages. Everyone's really curious about it. They're excited about it. And arguably interest starts to wane a bit as you get more and more delays towards it coming out compared to the PR hit they take of being like, Oh, you're just putting this out in a way that makes it so people aren't necessarily going to watch this as easily. I don't know what the right solution was for them. This seems like a nice, happy medium, It doesn't seem like anything from a storyline point is going to be too damaged by waiting until July, but maybe we should finish watching Falcon and Winter Soldier before we know that.
0: I know that the chance of having a more successful theater run is better this year, particularly in July, than it was last year with the vaccines out. I know there's variants. I mean, I won't get into the whole pandemic and what might be happening now and what might not be happening now. But I think this gives it a better chance to succeed in the theater. so I'm okay with that.
1: And everything else has been delayed anyway. So if we did kind of see it was tough trying to push movies out last year on the. I remember they tried to put Tenet out and have that be the thing that was going to be what reopens the theaters. That everyone's going to want to go see, and people went, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm not going out and that to go watch Tenet. I'll wait until it's out on DVD or Blu-ray or rental or whatever." So i don't know i think it's tough to do especially when for a good chunk of the last year most of the movie theaters been closed like my regal cinema still isn't open yet in town i think the amc might be now so pushing it out to the here at least ensures that the movie theaters are open and gives people the choice i'm with sp i'm probably watching it at home which also has the added niceness if i can hit the pause button if i need to pee
0: yeah you don't have to go to those websites and What's the best time to go to the bathroom? I don't
1: have to cross my legs and sit there going, Oh God, why'd I have that big soda? No,
0: (laughs) (laughs) or use a relief tube (laughs) or anything like that. So yeah, yeah. Just pause it, go to the bathroom, come back. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Additionally, with this announcement was Shang-Chi and the legend of 10 rings was moved to September 3rd. Although the eternals haven't moved from their November 5th release date. Assuming that all of that happens, Sony's Spider-Man No Way Home will be in December, and we will have four Marvel movies out in the theaters this year.
1: And all of the Disney Plus
0: content, too. This is a big
1: year for uh, Marvel content now.
2: And now we have some filming news.
0: Yeah, this came out. These announcements came out just this past week. You can find them on productionlist.com where you can find all sorts of information about when different films are filming and the locations of filming. So Ant-Man and the Wasp are going to start filming May 31st, 2020 in London and Atlanta. And then Captain Marvel two is going to start filming in London and Los Angeles also on May 31st, 2021. Although there was an end date for Ant-Man and the Wasp given, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. Cap Marvel 2 did not have an end date for filming, so apparently they don't have their filming schedule out, but they know when they're going to start. So they are starting to make Marvel movies
1: again. Well, they are doing Thor Love and Thunder right now, too, in, in Australia. Down under. hmm
2: And even though we haven't had a Hawkeye series air, we're already getting a spinoff.
0: There was an exclusive article on Variety.com this past week That said, that Echo, who is a deaf Native American character that will be in the Hawkeye series, Akala Cox, I know I butchered that first name there, but there are in talks already, I don't think this is confirmed, to have a spinoff series in early development. I think this goes along the lines of what Chris said before, I was going to get to it right now anyway, that. Marvel is pushing forward. There's been a lot of talk about it, about making a young Avengers troupe through a series of TV streaming series and movies. And we're just going to see these young superheroes in Marvel fill out. And it's a big part of the comic books, too. So it's not anything like they're just trying to force this in. We're gonna see some the next generation of superheroes, which is what the Young Avengers is all about. Anyway, you just in the comics you never see them necessarily grow up because well they keep on bringing back the original characters. Like I I was talking to my daughter the other day, it's like, well, Tony Stark is dead, right? And it's well, yeah, but it's comic books, so you never know if Tony's gonna come back or not. The only Marvel person that you know is always gonna be dead is Ben, Uncle Ben. Everybody else is fair game to come back.
1: Yeah, it used to be Uncle Ben and Bucky. Then they brought Bucky back. Yeah, right. Thanks, Ed Brubaker. We do appreciate it. (laughs) So it's
0: interesting that they're already in talks about this uh, series in early development, but no confirmation yet.
2: And we have some bonus Star Wars news.
0: Yeah, well, this is actually like Star Wars slash Marvel news. So I, I wanted to throw it in here. So Sebastian Stan, who plays the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, He looks, we talked about it before in the show. He looks remarkably like a young Mark Hamill. If you even see pictures side by side as Mark Hamill himself tweeted on his account uh, a few months ago. So Sebastian Stan piped up on his Twitter account this past week. And he said on rumors of him playing a young Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, if Hamill himself, which is the account, calls me personally to tell me that he feels inclined to share this role with me then I will believe it. So he's open to it. I think based on what we saw in the Mandalorian, I would actually prefer somebody actually playing the role versus the CGI. I don't think we've ever gotten the CGI correct for either euthifying or replacing uh, actors that have passed away yet. And I would much rather have an actual actor doing it so that's just my thoughts on it. And I'm a, a big Luke Skywalker fan. Luke Skywalker is what I loved about Star Wars growing up. So I'm okay with this personally. And I'm very grateful that Sebastian Stan is, is actually saying, look, this is Mark Hamill's role. I don't want to take it from him. But if he wants to share it, I, I will be glad to go ahead with it. So what do you guys think about that?
2: I always love the jokes about Mark Hamill calling Sebastian Stan his son.
1: Yeah, they're pretty great. I mean, if they want to go forward with having Luke Skywalker continue to be involved in the Star Wars stuff, the two-minute CGI Luke we got was fine, but you can't do that, especially on on the budget they want to put out there permanently to do Luke Skywalker's show. Sebastian Stan is who the internet seems to have rallied around as being who would be a great successor to it. Mark Hamill seems to be kind of in on the gag. He's never explicitly said no. Now, were I Sebastian Stan, I'd be looking at that being like, man... I've got this big Marvel contract that arguably probably has still more pictures on it. Do I really want to do a star Wars thing? That's going to sign me up for, let's say hypothetically six programs of some kind. And then how am I going to have time to do some of these other things that aren't star Wars and Marvel on the, on the side? It's kind of the thing we ran into with Chris Evans for a while there, who was talking about how he was struggling, wanting to do other stuff besides being just captain America, as much as I would love to see Sebastian stand in the role. I could kind of get where he might be like, I don't know if I want to sign up for this deal because it means I don't get to act in things that are different than what I've been doing now. I mean, steady paychecks are great, but at the same time, there's something to be said for getting to flex that acting muscle differently. So Sebastian Stan was in my
0: favorite movie of all time, The Martian. Mm -hmm. He's all good in my book there. And let's not forget Harrison Ford was in several marquee series as well, like, The Fugitive and Indiana Jones and Star Wars in addition to everything else that he did. So it is possible, but you're right. In this modern day of rapid programming, especially when you're talking about an interconnected universe as Star Wars and Marvel are, it could be a little bit much for one actor. But I would hope that they wouldn't want to infuse too much Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars universe. I would want that to be used sparringly, but there is a lot of holes to fill and that gets into my whole personal belief on where star Wars should be. And, and I don't think it should be looking anywhere, but post episode nine personally, which, you know, Luke Skywalker is not a part of, but we'll see what, what happens there. Also along these lines, Kevin Feige, we've known for quite some time has been given a star Wars movie to produce. I think this is something that Kevin's always wanted personally, unfortunately because he runs marvel and has run marvel very successfully a lot more successfully than star wars has been run that there was talks that kevin would be taking over for kathleen kennedy as head of lucasfilm for disney uh, he basically squashed that came out this past couple of weeks and said nope uh it's just one movie i got too much on my plate still doing marvel not going to go over there. Now, do I believe that 100%? No, not 100%. 95% sure. 98% eh. but I think this is Kevin say no. And honestly, what has Kevin done in in Star I mean, the people that are involved in Star Wars have been involved in Star Wars like most of their career and Kevin hasn't. So I don't Yes, you can come in and and run something successfully that way, but I think Star Wars is better left to the people that are Star Wars rather than Marvel. That's just my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Remember, Kevin Feige's got a lot of background prior to the MCU supporting other Marvel property movies, like working on the X-Men movies and things like that. And let's be honest, if you're Kevin Feige and they just refilled your your, uh, your toy box with uh, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and other characters you thought you'd never get, it'd be a tough sell to be like, oh, I'm going to go play in this other land where it's a bit more damaged of a property right now be that because you, we all have our different reasons for it. we may or may not be happy with star wars currently i'd be a tough sell if i were kevin feige to be like i'm gonna leave marvel where i've been very successful and i've spent a good chunk of my career to go take over another property and then leave my baby in someone else's hands and we run into the problem of hmm, who would we trust to be the new kevin feige if kevin feige were to leave i don't know if i want to have that conversation right now because i don't have the answer
2: Yeah, I don't really want that as well.
0: Yeah, so lots of major news this past week. I'm glad we got through it all and looking forward to next week.
2: We have a little feedback from Twitter.
0: We do. Mr. Pericleets tweeted us on Twitter. Thank you very much, Mr. Pericleets, by the way said this was an interesting part of today's episode never knew about him till today and it was this whole thread on twitter about isaiah and the tweet that he retweeted to us was so isaiah was one of the many african-american soldiers who were used to experiment on for the serum he survived the serum and took the mantle of captain america and he ended up in prison because the military saw that as treason so there was a whole thread on that so thank you very much at mr pericles is something that i was tracking as well but it was very heartwarming to me to see this being discussed out in the open after the episode and i think we're going to get a lot more of it this is sunday the episode came out on friday between now and when we come back again i'm guessing there's going to be a lot more talk about it because it was a big part of the episode and a big part of what's going on in uh, common culture today is to talk about these
1: sorts of things so
0: you guys have anything more to say about the Isaiah thing? I mean, we covered it quite extensively already.
1: I think we're, I think we touched on it
0: enough earlier. All right. Well, that's it for feedback this week. If you want to get us feedback, we touched on all of our contact methods earlier in the show, but please get them to us. I will include my email address, stargate at getting If you have any feedback on the episodes, either the Falcon, the winter soldier, or here on the podcast. So, Michelle, what do you have on tap for us to do now?
2: Well, we're going to grab our bestie, fly under a semi-truck, and roll in the field on our way out.
0: Chris, my man! Been a long time since we've been able to talk comics together on a podcast. It was so grateful for you to be able to step in this week for Lauren to talk about The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Thank you very much for coming here.
1: Well, thanks for having me on this week. It was a ton of fun, guys. And if
0: people want to catch you on another podcast that isn't called The Starling Tribune, where would they catch you?
1: So there's two places you can catch me. You can catch me on the official GunnaGeek.com show with Stargate Pioneer and Stephen John Drew, or you can catch me every Sunday morning. For our Wacky Weekend Morning Show, as we call it, the All Things Good and Dirty Podcast.
0: All right. And I want to say thank you very much to our listener for being with us. We really appreciate that. We hope you've been enjoying our coverage of the Disney Plus shows.
2: Yeah, thank you to everyone who listens, downloads, interacts with us on Twitter and Discord. And I would like to thank Chris. I enjoyed it. We got to have one of our interesting debates. I've missed that (laughs) because we had the whole like if you've listened to starling tribune chris and i some any all of us would just have like some sort of thing the fact that we got to debate about tony stark that was fun
0: it was fun indeed i missed it it's been over a year wow we should definitely do this more often than less than once a year (laughs) i can do that i got time (laughs) yep all right so until next time i'm producer of the show sp
2: i'm agent michelle
0: and i'm consultant chris all right. We'll see everybody next time. Bye.
2: Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also, artists on pawn5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Bakers. Hey, Hello. It's not evening. It's a brain fart.
0: (laughs) I didn't even hear you say evening.
1: I think I started to and then (laughs) didn't say it. I don't know. (laughs) Okay.
0: It was just on the elliptical and I got to the end of or I think the end of the Schneider cut. Is there any mid or post credit scenes to that?
1: I have no idea. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, I thought you did. I'll get to it at some point, maybe.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I thought that's what we were podcasting on today.
1: Oh, well, then I'm fired. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Hello. Oh, my gosh. This is so weird.
0: (laughs) (laughs) January 30th, 2020. Last time we were all together.
2: Oh, man.
1: It's been a while.
2: Yeah, I miss you guys.
1: Hopefully I'm not too rusty.
2: (laughs) Well, I think you do other podcasts as well. So That's true. Yeah.
0: So, Schneider Cut, four hours. This is going to be an eight-hour podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Chris hasn't seen it. I just finished all the way up to the credit. Is there any sort of mid-credit or post-credit, Michelle?
2: Have you watched the epilogue?
0: I've watched the epilogue.
2: There's nothing after that.
0: Okay. Was that, what's his face playing Batman at the end in the epilogue?
2: Ben Affleck, yeah. Should have been Affleck. Yeah, it's Affleck. Wow,
0: did not look like
2: Affleck. That's the point. Are you happy you watched it? I mean, not happy. Happy is not the best word.
0: Oh, I thought both of you watched it, so I didn't want to be left behind.
1: I'll get to it at some point in time, but I'm not in any rush.
0: I watched the majority of it at 3X or 2.5X to about i don't know maybe three hours or so in and then i got on the elliptical it was uh in need of edits absolutely needed mm-hmm. edits typical Zack snyder movie
2: i think it, yeah it could have been three hours
0: maybe less honestly some of the spots were just dragging.
1: i heard he went overly reliant on his slow-mo shots yet again yeah but that's his shtick i guess
2: but did you i'm sorry i interrupted you but like Overall impression.
1: It was
0: a slightly different story. You got different backstories, different origin stories in there. And I don't know if some of that was put in because some of the movies hadn't panned out. So he, he wanted to make sure that those got in there in his vision. The ending, the epilogue. Oh my gosh. I mean, I guess yeah, basically he's blowing up where Warner Brothers will, wants to go now, or maybe he was leading into it. I don't know, but it's completely different from everything else that we've seen so far.
1: Supposedly that was to set up his other Justice League movies. He said in an interview he didn't change his original ending from what he had envisioned for the Snyder Cut.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that. But okay, it was his vision. The 4 by 3 thing, I think, was unnecessary.
1: I had a similar thought.
2: Yeah.
0: But if it was better edited, and it was 16 by 9 and took out the... Whatever you want to call the non-canon BCEU stuff, now, It was okay. Didn't really turn my handle too much, but
2: it's okay. It makes the plot make more sense because it gives the reason why Steppenwolf. I the, the reason why Steppenwolf is there because before it was like he's doing this because he's doing it. Now there's a reason like why he's doing it and. I like how there was much more cyborg because he actually had some story.
0: Yeah. And that is a big part of the origin story right there that I was talking about because he's not going to get another movie. So that was it. So he had to lay out his entire creation of storyline there. Hell, he's not even going to be in the Flash now. Yeah. Well, are we going to have a Flash movie? I don't know. They
1: keep promising it, but we'll see if it actually happens. So... It's good to have on in the background
0: or to <laughs> speed up while you're watching it or both, I guess, especially if you've already seen the original and you'll catch on to the to the new plot points pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I was going to watch it after we did ATGN this morning, but then I shared my news story and I was like, I don't want to. Sup- I don't want to right now, which is the fact all the people that are like, restore the Snyderverse are now review bombing Godzilla versus Kong, giving it one star because WB makes it and they want the Snyderverse to happen. And I'm like, no. No. Oh
2: God! Are you serious? Well, that's they the gave only... in once,
1: and now yeah. they think they'll get it again. And that was always my concern: was the precedent this established? Give the internet an inch, they'll take a mile. So now, evidently, Godzilla versus Kong is terrible because they want the Snyderverse restored. But I'm sure that'll really get them what they want.
2: Yeah, that's the really the sad part about how we got this cut. It was just fanboy, right? You know, entitlement. Mm-hmm.
0: That's. Probably what started it off, but you don't green light $70 million. Is that what I saw? $70 million of issues? It was about that. You don't green light that unless it's a monetary decision. It's not like goodwill or anything
1: like that. Well, it was because they knew they could get all those people that were bitching and moaning to subscribe to HBO Max for at least a month. It was the way to get a movie out there in part on HBO Max, but in part to get new content out in the middle of the pandemic when new content is tough to do. If the pandemic hadn't happened, I don't think we'd have ever gotten the Snyder Cut. Wasn't this, uh, wasn't the reshoots done before the pandemic hit? The reshoots, well, there weren't supposed to be reshoots to begin with, but I believe they were done at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. So, I mean, my personal thought is they did it because they can get more people to get eyes on HBO Max because that's their big goal right now is to get more people on that service. Whether that's good, bad, indifferent, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't know I've I've got it I'll watch a few things on it it's part of my cable subscription that's
1: how I looked at it I still have to
0: watch the rest of Westworld that's why I really have it I should have turned it off a long time ago but I didn't so
1: it's part of my cell phone plan I get HBO Max for free otherwise I probably wouldn't have it that's for as long as I have that plan with AT&T I have like whatever their unlimited data plan is, and it's like 80 bucks a month unlimited, which is ridiculous doesn't use data since I don't leave my house anymore. But assuming we ever go to a point where I do leave my house again, I stayed inside and watched Invincible.
2: <laughs> that was interesting and a lot more violent than I was expecting. Have
1: Have you read the books? It's no. very, very much like the books
2: had too much to read anyway so
1: yeah i get that i only ended up getting the books because they had the compendiums on comicsology on sale so i could get the entire run for like 60 bucks
0: they were hard to find oh it's
1: yeah the the comic is very respectful to the book itself although moving at an accelerated pace like stuff that happens in episode one of invincible doesn't happen until like 12 issues into the book
2: oh okay well that's cool and, yeah
1: it's very much slow burn but then after that i was like holy crap this is pretty much straight out of the book and it's awesome
2: because I, oh, I think i know the plot twist of it but it's interesting seeing if that even if that plot twist doesn't happen there's a lot of foreshadowing to it
1: yes kirkman's a very good writer so he does a good job of setting up multiple things and then also setting up ways for him to uh squeeze his way out of it if he needs to
2: Chris, your beard's gotten longer.
1: Yeah, I let it go long for the pandemic, but it's really kind of annoying now. So <laughs> I might just, after shot two, call it that that's enough and go back to normal. Not that I really go anywhere, so it doesn't really matter much. <laughs> I'm going to
0: test my soundboard. Let me know if you guys can hear this.
2: I'm a biology teacher. I know how to dispose of bodies.
0: Uh, a little low, or, but I
2: hear it. It's low, yeah, but...
0: Uh don't know what i can do to fix that
2: it's okay we can hear it that's important oh my gosh i can't that sounds so weird out of context
0: yeah that's why I, (laughs) i chose it i was editing i was like oh yeah of course that was from episode
1: 359 by the way i see his dad in the way his hair sits i certainly do there i'm like oh yeah it looks like kurt Russell when I didn't even think about mentioning in the show, I'm not sure if this is the first time we've had a father and son or a parent and child both have roles in the MCU.
0: Mm, uh, No. Well, in the MCU, yes, but agents of shield had, uh, what's his name? Bill, uh, from aliens. It's game over, man. Game over and twister. Bill Pullman. No, not Pullman. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Paxton. So Bill Paxton's son was on Agents That's of right, Shield because he
1: was young version of him. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So still not MCU, but in Marvel.
2: Legends of Shield is copyright 2013 through 2021.